fun fact is actually Brad Pitt and Gandolfini are second cousins, and that's how he got him the part. Really? No. Three, two, no. one, showtime. Welcome to Hey, did you ever see that movie? I'm your host, Des. And as always, I'm joined by my happy and absolutely stunning co-host, Lynn. <laughs> I don't got a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out of. All I've got <laughs> is fucking Floyd. And joining us this week to discuss her second favorite movie of all times, right behind the Fisher King, the podcast over the thousand potions, Mickey. What is of major fucking importance is that I believe you. <laughs> Mickey, would you please tell our listeners what movie we will be discussing tonight? We are discussing True Romance. And that's a true statement. True Romance is a 1993 romantic crime film directed by Tony Scott, written by Quentin Tarantino, starring Christian Slater, Partition Arquette, <laughs> Gary Oldman, Christopher Walken, Brad Pitt, James Gandolfini, Samuel L. Jackson, Chris Penn, Michael Rappaport, Bronson Pinchot, Tom Sizemore, and Anna Thompson, among many, many more. <laughs> As always, this podcast will contain spoilers, so if you haven't seen the movie, go watch it, come back, and listen to the podcast. But before we get into it, let's run the trailer. Tell me about yourself. What do you want to know? What do you do? I don't remember. Where are you from? I don't know. The uh, big question is, do you have a, do you have a fella? Yeah. Hello? Hello, baby. Clarence? I'm a married man, buddy. She's the sweetest thing you ever saw in your whole life. She seems very nice. I'm in big fucking trouble. My name is Vincent Cocotti. I work as consul for Mr. Blue Lou Boyle, the man your son stole from. Clarence and her girlfriend of his snatched my narcotics. I tailed it out of there. You got a hell of a lot of cocaine here, man. You don't know him. No, you don't know me. I want to come to shit like this. Oh, you got it. All worked out, don't you? Where's our coke? Where's Clarence? I'm going to show you what I mean with a little demonstration. Man, I like this Clarence kid. This fucking guy's crazy. I think what you did... ...was so... ...romantic. I want you to know that you can count on me to protect you. Okay, Dylan, would you like to attempt to give us a synopsis this week? I am actually prepared this week. All right. 
Let's hear it. I'd also like to say, first of all, that uh, this also has a subtitle of, hey, did you ever see that movie? Returns to Detroit, part four. Part five. <laughs> Is this part five? Yeah, part five. We've been in Detroit five times. Oh, wow. It's something, I don't know, something about movies in the 80s, early 90s. They're all in Detroit. Detroit, Detroit, Detroit. All right. So I think it's all the plight. Hey, kids, I look at the plight. So. Yeah. You noticing all this plight? <laughs> So a comic book nerd and Elvis fanatic Clarence, played by Christian Slater, and a sex worker named Alabama, named uh, Patricia Arquette, fall in love. Clarence breaks the news to her pimp and ends up killing him. He grabs a suitcase of cocaine on his way out, thinking it's Alabama's clothing. The two hit the road for California, hoping to sell the cocaine, but the mob is soon after them. Hmm, I like it. Are <laughs> you guys good? ready for Dez's five fun and possibly fake facts? <laughs> Always. Okay. <laughs> Fact number one. For the part of Alabama, Tarantino envisioned Joanne Cusack while Tony Scott was obsessed with Drew Barrymore. What do you guys think? That is Joan true. Cusack? Joan yes. Cusack, yes. Yes, correct. Yeah, that I don't see that. Um, it actually I is don't... true, I think. No, yeah. I mean I believe that it's true, but I yeah. just I can't I... see her in the role. No, no. Yeah. Patricia Arquette is Alabama. Yeah, I don't want either one of them in the role. Patricia Arquette fucking nailed it as Alabama. Her nailed little, it. Her little giggles, and she was amazing. Yeah, yeah. she was she was fucking unbelievable. And uh, unfortunately, I feel like um, Scott portrayed her character at the end of the movie, but we'll get there when we get there. Um, fun fact number two. Val Kilmer wanted to play the part as Clarence. Now, when I... Because today was the first time I had ever seen this movie. So when I realized it, um, Val, I'm sorry. I, okay, so I'm confused this a little bit. I thought that this was uh, Brad Pitt. But when I heard Brad Pitt was in it, I really was like, oh, man, it's too bad he wasn't a bigger star and they didn't give him the part as Clarence. Um, because I was like, you know, I'd seen California. I'm like, man, I... I was never a Christian Slater fan. I just don't like him as an actor. I think he's kind of weak and he tries to play these kind of badass parts. So I just don't buy him as a badass. So I was like, this movie would be better with him as Clarence. Now, this is before I saw the movie. <laughs> um, Christian Slater won me over in this one. I mean, yeah. he was a fucking awesome Clarence. And I don't think Brad Pitt at this point in his career would have pulled it off as no. well, I don't think he was ready for this role after seeing what he did with his part in this role, which was fine. Um, and and it was Val mostly, um, it's uh, mostly improv. Yeah, right. and, and that's right. That was actually, um, I think, one of my fun facts. Oh, but that's fine. I'm sorry. Um, and of course, Val Kilmer. I didn't even realize he was in the movie until <laughs> Delin said, "Today, did you see who played fucking Elvis?" I was like, "Yeah, it was Brad Pitt, right?" She's like, "No, it was Val Kilmer." So, um. I didn't need Val Kilmer anywhere in this movie. I loved him uh, as um, Doc Holliday, and I loved him as Iceman. And besides those two roles, I can I can take or leave Val Kilmer. Uh, fun fact number three: Tony Scott gave Christian Slater a copy of Taxi Driver and told him to watch it as homework uh, on how to play Clarence because mm -hmm. on the first day of shooting, they obviously did not see the character. Um, the same. Uh, he didn't like the way that uh, Christian Slater was going at the character, so he said, watch Taxi Driver. And it's funny because um, 
I saw it immediately. I mean, they gave him the green army jacket. He's got the short spiky hair. He's not a physically imposing actor, but it's the same as De Niro was in Taxi Driver. But you get that, you know, like kind of dangerous guy, you know, psychologically dangerous guy. So yeah, a little unhinged. Yeah. And I thought Mm -hmm. Christian Slater really brought his A game for this movie. He really Um, did. Fun fact number four. Tarantino and Robert Car- uh, Tarantino had Robert Carradine in mind for the part of Clarence when he was actually writing the script. Uh, that didn't work for me. What do you guys think? No, absolutely no. not. No, that doesn't make sense to me. Um, S- seeing Tar- like yeah, who was in it? Like I, now, I because I loved it so much. Like I can't see anyone else in any of those roles. Yeah. Oh no. And this. This movie kind of reminded me a little bit of um, uh, Usual Suspects, where you just had this amazing cast of actors and they all brought a little to each one of their parts. And I was saying to Dylan when I was watching this, how even down to like Christopher Penn's um, Mm -hmm. character with his, uh, who's the guy that played um, opposite him, the police officer? Michael Madsen. Yeah, Yeah, like these two could have starred in their own movie as two cops. I mean, right. that's how deep this cast was. I was like, mm-hmm. whoa. Um, so uh, Tarantino had Clarence die at the end of the original screenplay. Yep. But um, Scott decided uh, he thought the movie deserved a happier ending. Um, I disagree uh, with Sizemore's, uh, I mean, with Scott's decision I thought that the end of this movie, and we'll get to it, I thought the end of this movie was the shank in the armor. I thought there was some lazy writing, and I didn't care for the ending. I think that Tarantino would have brought it a lot harder. And I think that the uh, Alabama character could have had a much more dramatic um, impact on the end of the movie. But we'll get to it when we get to it. And then I got a bonus fact. Uh, Bronson Pinchot uh, hates roller coasters. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that's what I got. Those are. Uh, those and you know, are... I have to say, I don't know if I mentioned this on the on the um, social media, but I was trying to let that be a surprise that Bronson Pinchot was in that. You did, and it's <laughs> and it's funny because in one point when they're um they've got him talking into the wire. Mm-hmm. When he's when he's in the police, you know, just before he yeah. goes into the hotel room, he actually does a little surge. <laughs> he says he says something like, um, like, oh, my name is up. I mean, that's OK. And I'm like, oh, that's Surge. <laughs> so, I'm yeah, cool. The Cab Scouts of America. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was really good. So he's I was a really good pleased. actor. I like him. He is. I do, too. Underrated. I do too. Um, Mickey, do you have any opening thoughts before Dylan gets into it? Um, well, I, you know, your, your facts are all right. Cause I'm such a sure romance nerd. Um, <laughs> the other fact is that Michael Rappaport is also afraid of roller coasters. Um, yes. and I know that in one, and at one point he had, uh, Bronson Pinchot ride by himself and put the camera next to him. So you mm-hmm. could see, like, really see, like he was really going to start being thrown sick. up. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> And that also, <coughs> excuse me, um, Gary Oldman um, wore one of his Dracula eyes when he played Drexel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the yeah. uh, kind of cloudy one. Yes. 
Um, I love Michael Rappaport. He's he's just such a fucking great actor. Yeah. Um, He was so good in that. And honestly, like to me, even though it was such a short, such a short, um, like a not a huge part. Yes. That I think this is one of Gary Oldman's best performances. Oh yeah, I mean. Uh, he can really yeah. do no wrong to me anyway. Like me neither. He, I kind of have him on a pedestal, but like this, like this role, I can't even, we'll get into it. I won't even, I won't even. I, won't I mean, my, it. my favorite role. I mean, I think I speak for everybody when I say it's Sid Vicious. I mean, he was that's, amazing. Yeah. That's about as good as it gets. He has a really hard time watching that. Like he, he said he didn't like that, like his performance oh. in that. I I'm know. Surprised. I'm like, how are you? Like, you you were him. You know what I mean? Like, all the performances were amazing. Nancy, mm-hmm. Johnny Rotten. I mean, it was a fucking yeah. incredible movie. Yeah. And I cried at the end. Okay. Every single time. Yeah. Every time. He gets yeah. in the cab and I'm fucking sobbing like a bitch. Yeah. She is waiting for him. It's like, Meh. I know. I know. The fuck is wrong with me? All right. <laughs> let's, let's do this thing. <laughs> All right. Um, oh, and just so you know, too, Gary Oldman had Dracula, uh, the Dracula wig maker work on that Drexel dreadlock wig. Love so it. not only did he borrow an eye, he also got a wig from Dracula. Loved it. All Love right. It. Also, uh, the, after the movie was done, the director gave Patricia Arquette the purple Cadillac. Because oh, cool. Her car kept breaking down when they were filming this. So he was like, just take the car. <laughs> oh, what a nice. fucking riot. That's great. <laughs> All right. So here we go. Our movie opens with Clarence Worley, played by Christian Slater, sitting in a bar with Lucy, played by Anna Thompson, who we recently saw in The Crow and was also a voice in talk radio. Look back in yep. our catalog for those two movies. Absolutely. <laughs> Clarence is waxing poetic about Elvis to her before he asks her to a Kung Fu movie marathon and she turns him down. While credits show on the screen, there's a scene of downtown, down and out Detroit, and a voiceover by Alabama, played by Patricia Arquette. She says she came from Florida all the way to Detroit to find true love, though she wasn't expecting to find it there. A taxi pulls up in front of the movie theater, showing the movie marathon. She gets out and goes inside. Once inside, she enters the theater with a tub of popcorn, which she promptly spills on Clarence. She sits with him, and he fills her in on what she's missed so far. Um, Nikki, this is one of your favorites. I'm going to give you the floor first. What do you think? Oh, God. I just... I, I, this movie <laughs> <laughs> I'm such a little kid when it comes to this movie like I seriously I, I have lost count at, at the number of times I've watched this movie even in the theaters I think I saw it probably eight or nine times wow. really um, yeah well I it didn't help that I used to manage a movie theater so I would oh. like whenever I had like cool. whenever I had like a night off I would go in and, and just watch it um oh that's crazy I love it but but yeah so it was you know I love the scene I love that you know, you can tell at first he's like, who, who is this crazy chick that's spilling popcorn? And she lights a cigarette and she's like, and you can see she's kind of looking like he's not really going for it yet. So how do I like engage him even more? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and when then she just jumps over and then, you know, after the movie, she's like, they're, you know, doing the karate moves and he's like, oh, you know, where to next? And and she's just like, hmm, she's like, do we get some pie with me? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, I just, I love that scene. I think it's, even though you find out later on, obviously that it's, you know, set up, mm-hmm. it seems very, it seems very um, innocent and pure to me. Hmm. Des, what yeah. do you think? Um, 
So first of all, I was really glad when I started watching the movie that the original blonde he was talking to was not Alabama. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I can't watch this for an hour and a half. Um, but no, we get into the movie theater. and Don't you be dissing Anna Thompson like that. <laughs> at first, I'm like, at first, I'm not liking it because I'm like, oh, this is so, this feels so fucking fake. I'm like, this isn't how people meet. And then, you know, once we realized that it's a setup, I'm like relieved. I'm like, okay, okay. So she was, she was, you know, paid to go in and, and, you know, create this introduction. So, yeah, I thought it was really cool. I love the Kung Fu scenes. Um, yeah, it's cool. Really good. Yeah, I definitely was like cringing and like, oh boy. And I forgot, like I've seen this movie, but I kind of forgot the beginning. And I was like, oh, I was like, she's there to, to rip him off. She's going to take money out of his his wallet and take off and that's how they meet like i couldn't quite remember how they met right and of course that's not how it turned out which is fine but it was just like oh, okay i was like this is like i like i kept saying like this is a setup right like and it was so <laughs> um yeah. and also the conversation at the beginning with clarence with uh that girl lucy uh mm -hmm. very very tarantino you know like he loves conversations in his movies right. you yeah. know instead yeah. of action there's a lot of sitting and talking so Sometimes yeah, to the sometimes to the film's detriment, sometimes to its uh, you know its help. So, what I was saying to Delenn when I came into this, knowing that it was a screenplay written by Quentin Tarantino, and I was saying this to Delenn earlier, I was expecting something artsier, um, more aggressive with the violence. Um, so this movie, it was like hearing a cover song of like one of your favorite bands. It's like. Yeah, I mean, I know the song. I know, you know, it's like I was saying to Lynn, like, listen to Welcome to the Jungle, but like, you know, covered by another band. And you're like, yeah, I mean, it sounds like Guns N' Roses, kind of. Like, I know it's, the words sound like Axel, but it doesn't sound like Guns N' Roses, if that makes sense. So, yeah, it like smells a little like. a little bit. Yeah, it smelled a little like a Tarantino movie, but it wasn't a Tarantino movie. It wasn't right. artsy. It wasn't ultra violent. Um, it felt a little bit 80s satire, uh, cop movie type. Like uh, it was, it was different. It was different. I was fine with it. I was fine right. with it, but it wasn't what I expected. <clears throat> right. It also should be pointed out at this point that, uh, when Quentin Tarantino wrote this, he wrote this and natural born killers. And it was one big movie. Like it was like a mini series. It was so big. And there was no way that you could tell both stories at the same time, even though right. they're very similar stories, mm -hmm. you couldn't tell the same stories at the same time. So he split them into two true romance became true romance and natural born killers became natural born killers. And when it went to Oliver Stone, it took heavy rewrites. So it doesn't hold it quite the, the, it doesn't look quite the same as it did when Tarantino wrote it. Uh, that Natural Born Killers, that is. This is a little right. bit more true to his original screenplay, just with some uh, changes that Tony Scott made in it. So yeah, and to put this in like a singer's like point of view, it felt to me like Scott was having trouble hitting the high notes. Like the notes were there, he was just having trouble hitting them, and he was getting close enough to where I could see what they were going for. But there were scenes where I was like, man, if Tarantino had done this scene, it would have been a lot uh, more Tarantino. Like, was you know, he at this point in his career or was he just writing? I don't even know. I don't know what I his think first... he was. I think I think at that point he 
because this was one of his the first ones that he wrote. Yes. But I think it's actually the first one he wrote, like period. And he said he had written ones before this, but he just didn't like finish them, like flesh them out. Right. Like this was the first one that was complete from start to finish. I hmm. feel like this came out, <clears throat> excuse me, at, I, I don't know, to be honest with you, but I, I feel like it came out around the same time as like Pulp Fiction, but I don't remember now. Th that whole time era is like, Fuzzy. Oh, this this came out before Pulp Fiction for sure. Ninety three, I think Pulp Fiction had to have been in the like the mid to late nineties, right? I might uh, be wrong. So he uh, he directed Reservoir Dogs in ninety two. This movie okay. came out in ninety three. Okay. Um, he also was um, involved in a movie called My Best Friend's Birthday in eighty seven, but I think it was like a school or art school thing. Maybe Pulp Fiction was ninety four. Yeah. Oh, so really? That, Just yeah, a so year. right after Drew Man. So yeah. Hmm. So this is this was kind of like his that this and Reservoir. I mean, even though he didn't direct this, I think Reservoir Dogs was kind of like. <clears throat> excuse me. He was like the the new the, the new, you know, the new kid, the exciting kid. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think when this got released, I don't think people realized that this was a technically a Tarantino movie. Um, yeah. I think a lot of people didn't realize that. Um, and I also think that uh, a lot of his fans, like people who are Tarantino fanatics, consider this movie as part of his world, like the Tarantino verse, if you want to. Yeah. Um, even though he did not direct it. Correct. I, I agree with you. Yeah. Um, like, you know, in, in um, Dangle and Change, you know, you get the the scene where the the mad dogs, you know, tear the, the guy apart on the um, on the plantation, you know, and the dogs like, you know, they they tear this guy to death. Very shocked. I haven't seen that. Oh, it's yeah. so violent and really, really a hard watch, but it was a fantastic story, but it was terrible. Terrible. Yeah. I mean, Reservoir okay. Dogs, you got it when, you know, he's torturing the cop, cutting his ear off. Right. Got, um, you know, going to threaten to light him on fire. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, you know, you've got, right. uh, you know, Pit that bashing the girl's face off the, the mantle. I mean, these are shocking scenes and Tarantino puts them into all the movies and, you know, Scott was set up to have a couple of these scenes. And again, he just had trouble hitting the notes. Well, this, I mean, again, not to jump ahead, but the scene with Alabama yes. and yes. Um, James Gandolfini. Specifically. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and again, Clarence, that scene with Clarence and Drexel, I mean. Yeah, no, true enough. But, but again, it's, you know, that scene specifically and it's funny because that scene for me um, is really where I fell in love with the character of Alabama. I was like, oh, man, this fucking character is so good. But mm -hmm. the scene itself was not um, was not shocking enough as far as like, you know, what I think Tarantino would have done. Like, for instance, with her makeup after the beating she took from, from Gandolfini, I think it would have been much more horrific. And I think the scene itself would have been more horrific. And I think Gandolfini's death would have been more graphic. And I think that's one of the notes he missed on, um, Scott missed on. I think that scene, as great as it was, would have been better if Tarantino had directed it. Mm. So anyway, let's move on. All right. So after the movies, Alabama invites Clarence to get some pie with her. They have a conversation in the diner before he takes her to see the comic book store he works in. Afterwards, they have sex. Clarence wakes up later and finds <sighs> Alabama sitting out on the fire escape crying. She reveals that she was paid by his boss to be there at the movie and make friends with him and then sleep with him because she's a call girl. She also says she's been a sex worker for four days, but when she met him, she fell in love with him. 
The next day, they're leaving town hall after getting married. They're getting matching tattoos, and Alabama happens to reveal <laughs> that they she had a pimp named Drexel. So, Des, it seems to be moving a little bit fast for my taste, but I guess maybe, hey, this was the 90s. You know, like you get married less than 24 <laughs> hours later. Okay, so um, a few things that stand out. One, I'm a comic book nerd. I love comic books. I have comic books um, and sports cards big collector uh when he said you want to see spider-man number one i was like yes please i don't think we see it though <laughs> I don't think so. um so that and uh the most disturbing movie uh, i'm sorry the most disturbing scene for me in the entire movie is her licking christian slater's fuzzy little belly <laughs> yuck 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 it was like pube city no thank you oh I literally was like, oh, no, stop, don't. Oh, oh God. That close-up of his fuzzy, chubby little belly. And she's like, <laughs> licking it like a soft serve. Oh, my God. I love it. Oh, my God. Um, and Delin and I were talking about this. And this, for me, is, again, a spot where I feel like Scott maybe dropped the ball because, okay, they fall in love in one day. Um, it seems too fast, but then we find out that she was sent there. And as the movie uh, progresses, we're getting more and more uh, exposition about these drugs and her, uh, you know, her pimp and everything. And as it's going on, I'm thinking, you know, this is a setup more. This is, she knows about these drugs, not to jump ahead, but I feel like, she should have been and probably was using Christian Slater to do what eventually he's going to do. So, and we'll get into why I think these things, but yeah, I think that she's not really what? in love with them right here. I think that she is uh, using a simple mind, a simple minded oh, fucking I kid. I don't think so. Mm, we'll see. The scene in the comic book shop where uh, like, he's like, when he tells her the story about how he dives into the water to get the ring. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That like made me all warm and fuzzy still. Like every time I see it, I'm like, Oh, you know what I mean? Like I just, you can yeah. tell like he really like he, he has a huge heart. And I think at that moment, she's like, he's not like everybody else. You know what I mean? Like he's not some shit bag that goes and gets a call girl every Friday night or whatever. You know what right. I mean? Um, yeah, and, he, he loves these stories and he loves art and yeah, you know. he has he's he has a big heart. Um and you know, I I love that scene. Could I have gone without seeing her lick his fuzzy belly? <laughs> Probably, but it didn't it didn't bother me as much as it clearly bothered Death. <laughs> if I had to have sex with one man. It would not be Christine Slater. <laughs> <laughs> but would it be Elvis? That's the question. Um, no. <laughs> We're um, not going to get into it, though. <laughs> no. That, that's a story for another time. Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, yeah, I mean, no. honestly, I, for the I, story. I, love the, the, I love the scene on the steps, too. When she's, I love her little outfits. Like, I just... I don't yeah. know. I think I, I love her character. I think she's there's something very beguiling about her. Um oh, I agree with that. Like I think yeah. she's adorable. I think she's like you said, she's got kind of that little baby doll voice and yeah. 
you know, yeah. I can see why he felt for her. I just couldn't quite like I was like, and and when I said to Jess, I couldn't quite understand why she fell in love with him so fast. And he said, well, because she's a broken person. And I was like, yeah. oh yeah, but they're both they're both broken. I mean, yeah. You they know. are, but her character, okay, this is what I loved about this character. It was a very deep character. It had a ton of layers to it. And she's vicious. She's vicious. Oh, yeah. She's uh, sadistic. She is not, I, she is enjoying the beating she is taking from James Gandolfini. She's enjoying it the way the Joker enjoyed the beating from Batman, where he's beating him and he's laughing and his face going, you can't do anything to me. Nothing you're doing is hurting me or bothering me. And I was getting that like that. I was flashing back to that scene as Gandolfini's beating her and she's laughing at him and smiling with those bloody teeth and giving him the finger and just taking everything he's got. And that's why I was saying in the beginning, yeah, I believe that he's falling for her 100%. But I feel like he's the lamb and she is the wolf. And she sees an opportunity to take vengeance on her pimp and get this suitcase full of drugs. She knows where it is. And coincidentally enough, it just happens to be in her suitcase, unbeknownst to Christian Slater, but I don't think unbeknownst to Alabama. Well, so I don't I don't know because so the scene where we haven't got to the scene yet, but um, mm -hmm. where um, Gary Oldman and Sam Jackson and the other two, you know, are doing kind of like the drug exchange or whatever. Mm -hmm. That's the same night that she's with Clarence. So how does she know that those drugs are there? Uh, and I don't, well, I don't think that's her suitcase either. Yeah, I think I, don't, I think because he, he said to the girl, grab a bag, a bag and put her stuff in it. Yeah. And when she opened up the bag, she said, "These aren't my clothes." Yeah, because yeah. I think that the other I think that the other prostitute just went and grabbed her bag because she didn't obviously take her stuff and put it into that bag because that bag was already full of cocaine. So I think that she just went and recognized that bag knowing Alabama and said, this is her bag. And I think that either Alabama, I think that Alabama knew that those drugs were in that bag. I mean, this is just me yeah, reading I mean, into it. It's reading into it a lot. Like you're you're putting a lot into it that there's no exposition to show us that that actually happened. Well, there isn't, but it's also would explain this, you know, four hour deep love that these people have for it, that she has for <laughs> Christian fucking Slater. I mean, it's Christian Slater. <laughs> so please I mean, go back to Heather's. I thought Christian Slater was a shit. So it's yeah. a possibility. I mean, I think this is a possibility. I think it's a possibility that she is using him. But I mean, I don't know. It's it's good art. <laughs> it's good art. It's like what I always say when I argue with Tony on these podcasts. You know, ten people can watch a movie and they can all see it differently. And I think the more that happens, the better the writing was. Right. Right. Yeah. I honestly, um, I I don't agree because, and maybe it's because I I feel. Like, I, I almost feel protective of Alabama, you know? Like, I almost feel like I want to protect her from Drexel. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. I don't, I think, and I love the idea. And, and I feel like you normally would, too, just knowing you from what I know of you. But, like, I feel, um, I love the idea of that kind of love. Like, that kind of, like, 
boom. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. holy shit, I love this person. I don't even, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so that's, I think that's part of why I, I loved their relationship so much because yes, it was a setup. Yes, it was, you know, it was supposed to be a one-time thing. And I think it just happened to be like, like the song that's playing when, when they're, you know, coming together, it's called two lonely birds. Like, I think I, I love that song for that scene too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's just the two of them. They're both so broken. They're both so fucked up that really the only two, the only other person that could love them is the other. Right. Uh, right. Alabama never shows weakness in this movie ever. Even, in exposition where Christian Slater says to her, did he hit you? And she says, no, no, he was hitting one of the other girls. Like, I, I honestly feel like I would be more scared of Alabama than <laughs> Drexler. Like she took Gandolfini out. Yeah. <laughs> she took him out after taking his best work. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. She that was, was she was fucking, she was badass, man. And, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, anyway. Completely out of her gourd too, but. Yeah. Right, right. All right. So in a seedy motel, we finally meet Drexel, played by Gary Oldman. Samuel L. Jackson is also there, playing Big Don, and Lawrence Mason is playing Floyd D. There's a lot of cocaine in a bag on the bed, and after a heated conversation about Cunnilingus, Drexel shoots and kills both Big Don and Floyd D, helping himself to the bag of cocaine. Back at Clarence's house, he's upset, thinking that uh, what happened to Bama and starts hallucinating Elvis, telling him to go kill Drexel. Uh, Elvis being played by Val Kilmer, as we said earlier before. He sticks a gun in his sock and drives his bright purple Cadillac over to where Alabama's been staying with Drexel. (laughs) And Mickey, I'm not a mind reader, but this seems like a bad idea. I mean, you want to protect her, but it's like you're driving into the Viper's Nest in your bright purple Cadillac with a gun in your sock. Like, oh my God. Yeah, well, totally. And I also don't think, you know... Again, I think part of it is kind of like bravado, like he wants to impress his new wife or whatever. But I I also don't think he really understood, like, yeah, she has a pimp, but he's not like the guy that stands on the corner and says, hey, blah, blah, blah. Like, this guy guy is is dangerous. He's hard fucking core. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I don't I don't think he realized. I think he was very naive in going there. Yeah. And again, your bright purple Cadillac pulls up to this place. It's full of sex workers, you know, lackeys and Drexel himself. And you're going to just march in and be like, I want to talk to him. Like if you, if you're going to take him out at some point, catch him outside and fucking and and take him out that way. Like it was just like, yeah, like really bad idea. Well, and I think too, he's naive and hoping that maybe Drexel will just be like, oh, fuck it. Take her. She's a pain in my ass or whatever. You know what I mean? Right. I don't. I think it was, it was just a, it was bad. It was well, the bad thing with the envelope around. too, right? Is like, so like, he's like, there's, this is a payoff and it's not worth a dollar more. I just want you out of my hair. Right. Essentially. And it's empty. Mind. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like at least throw yeah. the hundred bucks. <laughs> I will say the first time I saw it, I was like, it's fucking empty. Like I would, yeah, I would have, I, I don't know. I would, maybe he didn't think he was going to open it there. Like, I don't know. It's, it no. was a weird thing. No, he did. He he went there to kill Drexler. There, he was not leaving. If if Drexler had said to him, "Fine, Drexel. she's free," Drexel. Drexel. If Drexel had said to him, "Fine, she's free. You can have her. She doesn't work for me anymore. That's fine. I accept your your envelope with nothing in it." Right. He still was going to kill him. He was going there to kill him. Yeah, that was it. Told him to. That's why he brought the empty envelope. 
It's why he brought the gun. It's why he insulted him. He went there to kill him and nothing else was going to stop him. I just don't know. First of all, the Elvis character for me was, um, it wasn't uh, fleshed out properly in the movie. So for me, it was kind of felt unnecessary. It just didn't really work for me. I mean, I think also too, um, that, that was put there to show you that Clarence is a little different. Yeah. You know, Clarence talks to Elvis. Yes. <laughs> In the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, so I, I, I was, was yeah. I was looking for something. I was looking for something more with the Elvis um thing. Like I wanted them to just flush it out a little bit more and just tell me why he's talking to Elvis. Maybe Elvis represented something else i don't know it just wasn't really it just wasn't really flushed out in the movie you know, i was fine with it but it was kind of oh, weird i but think you... they may have been limited too sorry to interrupt you but no, they may okay. have been limited because they they weren't allowed to use elvis's like likeness or music or anything that's why you never really saw his like him really right. done up as Elvis. Like you, they gave you the indication that that was Elvis. Yes, you know so I mean? they were afraid they were going to get sued by Elvis' right. estate. But I guess later on, I'm not sure who it was, but somebody that was involved with the movie, be it Tarantino or Tony Scott, sat at a screening of the movie and Lisa Marie sat next to him. And she seemed like not upset about any of it. Like she seemed like to think it was respectful and was cool with it. Right. So that's why right. they did it the way they did it. Yeah, I I was I will say that it did seem like Alabama was discouraging him from going there, which yeah. kind of was blowing holes in my um, <laughs> theory. Yeah, she basically said, "Leave it alone. We don't need to do that. Let's just yeah. stay away." And he was like, right. "No, I'm going." Like that, it was right. really he's his like, idea. He, yeah, she's like, "You don't know him," and he's like, "You don't know me," and I'm like, "Dude, you don't know him." <laughs> right, like, but this is fucking Drexel we're talking about. Here. Yeah, but at the same time, she was also you know, making sure that he knew about the pimp. He knew he was a drug dealer. He knew he hit women. Right. Uh, you know, it seems it was one of those kind of like cloudy, cloudy sort of scenes where I was like, I just couldn't tell if she was, I just couldn't tell what was going on. Well, and then I when you like too, she didn't want to, she didn't ever want to talk about him. Right. Like he kept saying, you know, he kept pushing it. He kept saying this, give me your address, you know, give me the address, do this, you know, who, who was Drexel, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and I also like say, you know, I don't, She's like, just fucking let it go, dude. You True. Know what I mean? like, no, you're, yeah, no, you're right. You're right. So Clarence arrives and Drexel plays nice for a few minutes before a full out brawl ensues. Clarence is beat up pretty bad and it appears that Drexel's henchman, Marty, played by Paul Bates, also known for coming to America, is going to go <laughs> get Alabama. When Clarence realizes she's in danger, he pulls the gun out of his sock and shoots Drexel in the junk first. Guns nice. down Marty. Oh. Shoots Drexel a couple more times and yells at a girl to gather Alabama's things. The girl is terrified, grabs any bag she can find. It just so happens to be the one full of cocaine and kind of tosses it in his general direction. Mm. Clarence just grabs the bag and leaves. So, Des, you know how Elvis was telling him how to handle Drexel. I really feel like him making this huge scene where there's multiple witnesses leaving his license behind while yelling out Alabama's name might not have been exactly following the advice given to him. (laughs) Yeah. Um... (laughs) Wow. <laughs> Definitely was not thought out um, on Clarence's part. Like he's, mm-hmm. like he's like, you know, they'll just think it was like a, a drug dispute. It, it will, they'll, they'll be happy that you did it. And it's like, yeah, if you met him in a dark alley, took him out by shooting him twice in the back of his head and then got back into your nondescript vehicle and drove away quietly. 
Yeah. Instead, and, you made this like it was like literally he was like, my name is yeah. Clarence and I'm in love with Alabama and I just killed this guy. Like, yeah. And uh, and on top of that, um, Christian Slay, I mean, um, what's his name? Uh, uh, the one Gary that Oldman. plays the gangster. Drexel Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman. No, no. Uh, Vincenzo. Walken. Vincenzo. Walken. Yeah. He oh, yeah. Uh, says as much. To it later in the movies, like if the kid just didn't leave his fucking driver's license in the dead guy's hands, we would have never caught him. Your son, fuckhead yeah. that he is. And then had you not left the fucking address and the phone number of where he's in California on your refrigerator? Oh my god! So there so were there were mistakes made. That scene, yeah, Clarence. And again, they never said Clarence was the brightest guy, but and no. clearly Clarence has some issues. Again, he talks to Elvis, you know, mm-hmm. but um, that scene, I don't know what this says about me, but like that's the first time I saw this movie in the theater, that scene with I literally jumped up in the theater and I was like, fuck, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, and I have another funny story. So that scene, I lived in North Carolina for about, seven years or so and at one point I was with a girlfriend of mine and we went to this bar in Durham and I don't even know how it came out like something came out one of the quotes from the movie he said the bartender said one of some quote from the movie and then he literally and I remember my friend Jen just laughing like she said she literally said what the fuck is going on he and I literally had this banter back and forth we bantered back and forth the entire Drexel Clarence scene Oh, oh my god. No. <laughs> and she was like, what the fuck is happening right now? <laughs> you must it thought it was white boy day. Yeah, it, it ain't white boy day, is it? Um, when he's like, motherfucking Charlie Bronson. Um, but like I just I love that scene so much. And and <clears throat> like I think I was driving Tony crazy last night because we were watching the movie and I kept like reciting it as I we were watching it. <laughs> but that that's one of those like that scene is one of probably the most like memorable movie scenes for me just because again Gary Oldman is in it for like in the movie like less than 15 minutes but he is so powerful his that character is so powerful and he's such a dick he's like the worst person in the world you know yeah, what i mean like totally. he's like the total bottom feeder but that character is so amazing i actually had a lizard named drexel that's how much i love that character i like, love it <laughs> That character was so amazing. Um, and just, and you know, and then when he's like, you know, when he, when Gary Oldman gets distracted by Marty and, and, and Christian Slater's like, oh shit, now's my chance. And he shoots him. And then he stands up and he's like, fuck you. And he just keeps shooting him. Mm-hmm. Like, that's like one of those scenes, like almost like when you watch Braveheart and you're like, Rah! you know what I mean? Like, it, like, <laughs> it, it, like you almost, you almost feel like liberated for him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you want to run out with a, a sword and be like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was just like, damn, you know? So. Well, it was I funny though, scene. because um, Drexel and his, uh, and his bodyguard there, neither Marty. of them have, Marty, neither of them have weapons drawn Yeah. when he's eating his dinner. I don't uh-huh. know why. Uh, why Clarence didn't just pull out his weapon and just take them both out before he took that severe beatdown, but <laughs> but yeah, he didn't. I don't know. And I do like that he, you know, he later after he's killed uh, Drexel describes him as you know a mad dog, which is what he was. Yeah. 
Yeah. He was he was crazy. But I couldn't help but to think a little bit of Malibu's most wanted, you know. Um <laughs> Gee, what? Malibu's most wanted, you know, the uh the part that um what's his face plays where he plays the white rapper. You've never seen that movie, Malibu's no. Most Wanted? No. Okay. Well, I missed that one. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a parody on, you know, on, you know, this guy's a white rapper and he thinks he's all gangster. Oh, but geez. He's, okay. Yeah. And he's, he's from Malibu. He's like super rich millionaire, but he thinks he's all good. And yeah. It was, so, uh, it was Jamie Kennedy that was that. Jamie that Kennedy. Oh, exactly. Okay. I know of the movie. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. So that yep. was kind of what I was getting. But it was funny because, I mean, even Alabama says, you know, Clarence says, is he, is he black? And she says, no, but he likes to think he is. You yeah. know, yeah. She's like, he so. says his mama was an Apache, but I suspect that he's. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> correct, <laughs> correct. So I did, I did feel like this again. Going back to it, I felt like this movie had a little satire, and it wasn't a comedy by any means, right. but it was just one step above. But like, this is it, where you get the Tarantino of it all because he does that. Like he puts like satire in conversations. That yes. you're like, is this funny or is it, should this not be funny? Like, you know, right. it's like, it's that weird borderline thing where it's like, it could be funny, but I feel weird laughing, you know, kind right. of thing. But this movie fell more to me into the genre of like an 80s cop mystery, uh, you know, crazy movie than it did an art film like Tarantino. So with Tarantino, it feels a little more art house Mm-hmm. And with this, it felt just a little bit more, you know, like I said, you know, five five jokes shy of being like a Beverly Hills Cop type movie for me. I mean, not that it was Beverly Hills Cop by any means, but right. it kind of fell into that universe for me. There's definitely some moments that are a little comedic, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and to some degree, it almost feels out of place because the movie is dark in a lot of ways. But at the same yeah. time, it gives you a moment of levity where you're like, oh, okay. Like, it gives you a moment to breathe. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So Clarence returns and tells Alabama that he has killed Drexel. She cries, and he thinks that she's crying for Drexel. But she's crying because what she thinks he did was so romantic. He gives her the bag of her clothes, and when she opens it, she finds the cocaine. The next morning, they go to see Clarence's dad, Clifford, played by Dennis Hopper. He asks, uh, Clarence asks him for help. He used to be a cop and knows people on the force. And Mickey, Dennis Hopper is really great in b- both the, the, the scenes he's in. But this is oh a my great God. scene. Yeah. yeah. I, I just love when they cut back and he's like, no, 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 stop talking. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's like, yeah, you fucking mother through and through. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah he, he's amazing, you know, and I love the fact that, again, when you look at it, like he's very similar to Clarence because he lives alone. Mm-hmm. You know, clearly he's got him and his dog and that's it. And he's, you know, at least at one time had a very severe drinking problem. They, they kind of allude to, yep. um, you know, and, you know, when did he say, it? how long did he say it what had been since he had seen him? Three years. Three years. Three years. Right. So they're both and in they, the same city, living probably not very far away from each other for three years and haven't even looked at right. each other in three years. So, yeah, there's definitely, there's definitely some similarities in the two of them, you know. <clears throat> Yeah, I, I love the I love the line. Oh, baby, that's the most romantic thing I've ever heard. I, I thought that was great. <laughs> I thought that was great. Really good line. So we have a quick uh, cut to a talent agency and a talent agent played by Conchata Farrell is auditioning Dick Ritchie, played by Michael Rappaport. Dick She's- Ritchie! <laughs> Dick love Ritchie! It. 
<laughs> she is kind to him, but she tells him that she'll call him if she's interested. Back in the train yard, Clifford has some good news for Clarence. The cops are not looking for him. They think someone named Blue Lou killed Drexel related to drugs. Clifford tells Clarence to leave town and he should be fine. Clarence gives his dad Dick Ritchie's number in Hollywood and says that's where we're headed. So, Des, the Whirlies are now on their way to Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, scene number two uh, after the licking of Christian Slater's fuzzy belly would be <laughs> uh, Alabama's kiss yeah. goodbye <laughs> to Clarence's father. Yes. Inappropriate. Yeah. What? That what always, was I? Yeah. That what? Always, I was always like, what is what's going on what? here? Yeah. Yeah. Like, it was what? uncomfortable. Yeah, it was fucking weird. <laughs> um, yeah, um, I, you know, this also goes to show she's a little unhinged. She's a little left of center. Yes. Yeah. Um, and Hopper looked fine with it as well. I mean, it, it was like they were old lovers. Uh, <laughs> uh, Hopper's Hopper's a great actor. He's always great in everything he does. He was really good in this one. Yeah. And, you know, we're, and I can't wait to see him on screen with Christopher Walken because this is probably the best scene in the movie. Brings me right back to um, Pulp Fiction when he's talking about the watch in his ass. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah well, here we go into that scene. So yeah. Alabama and Clarence are on the road to L.A. There's a quick scene of them calling Richie and telling him that they're on their way before the newlyweds give in to passion in a phone booth. In <clears> sharp <throat> contrast, back in gray Detroit, Clifford returns home to a gun in his face and a punch in the mouth. Vincenzo Cotti, played by Christopher Walken, he works for Blue Lou and he's looking for Clarence. They've figured out he took the cocaine. Just so happens that Clarence's driver's license was found in Marty's hand. Vincenzo tortures Clifford for where Clarence has gone to. Clifford refuses to give it up, insults Vincenzo, who shoots him in the head, only for one of the goons to find Richie's contact information on the fridge. So this is Quentin Tarantino's probably favorite scene he's ever written, according to him. And, um, you know, personally, well, yeah, personally, I felt like uh, the use of the N word was a little heavy handed, a little. <laughs> and, um, yeah. you know, uh, he has defended use of the word and most notably Django Unchained. They, they use it like 110 times. Jesus. And and he says, you know, if you don't like it, go see another movie. This movie's not for you then. And, you know, like, okay, I get it. And, you know, Samuel L. Jackson and Jamie Foxx have both also said, you know, he's being, you know, he's not using it to, to he's being, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, uh, genuine when he's using authentic. it. Authentic? Yeah. Yeah, he's being authentic. So, like, I get it. Like, if Samuel L. Jackson's not mad at you for saying it, I mean, I guess, like, how mad can I really get? I'm a white woman and I don't need to, like, take that on. But it's just, like, it right. made me uncomfortable to watch it. Right. Well, and I think, and I think part of the reason that is, is because it made me uncomfortable too. But I think part of the reason is that because he, in the context of it, you think about how offended the Sicilians are. Oh, yeah. Yes. That they, you know what I mean? That that, yes, would, yes. that would even come out of his mouth. And Dennis Hopper's like, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm fucking done. So I'm going to give it my best shot on my way out. You know what I mean? Basically telling him, fuck you on his way out. Right. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. he knew it was going to happen. You know, even if he said, even if he knew, you know, even if, you know, if he said they're going to Dick Ritchie's house or whatever, he knew they were going to kill him. So, yeah. yeah. Well, this is a perfect example. So this scene is so <laughs> strong because the actors are so strong. You've got, you know, Hopper playing off Walken, both of them bringing their A game. You've got um, Quentin Tarantino's, you know, screenplay. So you're getting, you know, his words. But again, 
he has trouble, Scott, hitting the high note because he didn't torture him. He cut his hand, he hit him in the head with a gun, and he punched him. This is not a Tarantino torture scene, specifically after he came at his, you know, heritage and calling him all these names and basically daring him to torture him to death. He's saying, mm-hmm. I know you're going to kill me, so fuck you. And he insults him. And I'm like, oh, boy, this is we're going to lose some fingers here. We're going to get an eyeball dug out. They're going to burn him with cigarettes. Nothing. He gets a quick he gets a quick death, quick death, shoots him in the head. I'm like, this isn't a Tarantino film. It's not how Tarantino would have done it. But I also and, love that he that he said, you know, he did it himself. Yeah. You know, I haven't killed anyone since 1984. Yep. You know, that I think that's like, okay, you may be a motherfucker, but I respect your like audacity to even say that to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Also, but, can we talk about really quickly how he tells the one guy that only speaks Italian, he tells him to go outside and do the thing. And they yeah. never specify what the thing is. And it's like, kill the dog. Is that what it was? Did you think he killed the dog? Yes, I think I that's do. what it was too. Uh, I, I try I not to that. think about it. Every time I see yeah. a movie, I try to not think about that part. <laughs> yeah. And, well, cause it's like they, I think that they brought that Doberman that ran by and the dog ran after. So I was like, why are you going to go like there and kill think, the dog? I think the dog ran off with the Doberman. Like, I like to imagine the dog, the two Dobermans are just off playing in a field in Detroit somewhere. Yes. I agree. Rommel. 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 <laughs> but yeah, uh, after walking, you know, basically said, I'm going to, you're going to know horrors like you've never known. And he never follows through with the threat. So let down on that scene a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Um, but, you know, conversation wise it's pretty classic tarantino with the back and the forth and the weird mm-hmm. and the the weird little story and yeah yeah no i would like to say if this movie if if nobody had said quentin tarantino wrote this screenplay and i was just watching this and this was like written by tony scott fucking great i'm not comparing it to a tarantino movie and i'm probably liking it a lot more and not judging it on what it could have been if Tarantino had directed it. Okay. So I don't want to say that I'm not enjoying this movie because I really am. So gotcha. Yeah. All right. So Clarence and Alabama have made it to LA. They show up at Richie's and drag him out of the house with just a wave (laughs) to the freeloader on the couch, Floyd played by Brad Pitt. They go to a motel and get a suite. Then they show Richie the drugs. Clarence wants Richie to sell it for him. Richie doesn't have the resources to move that amount of drugs, but he thinks he knows someone that might be able to help him. He arranges for Clarence to meet Elliot Blitzer, played by Bronson Pinchot at a roller coaster. Elliot (laughs) wants to know where the coke came from, and Clarence keeps ducking the question. After the ride, Clarence pushes Elliot into contacting Lee Dunowitz, played by Saul Rubinek. There's a little back and forth between Clarence and Lee, and they decide to meet in a few days. So, Des, I know you're a Bronson Pinchot fan. Want to talk about it? Yeah, I love Pincho <laughs> and I love Lee because he is the uh, lawyer in Wall Street. So I enjoy this actor very much. Excellent. Uh, um, yeah, I feel like uh, I feel like there's no bargain that would be good enough for me to go into business with it for this. <laughs> like he says it a million times. I got a nice little thing going. I got a guy I get my coke from. It's it's fine. He's fine. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, loved, loved Brad Pitt, loved his character, stoner LA guy, surfer dude, played it perfect. Um, 
his ignorance and his willingness to give up true answers uh, <laughs> ensured his survival throughout this movie. And I, I appreciated that. <laughs> oh, man. I do really. I love the character because he's just everyone has known this person. Oh, yeah. yeah. We've probably all had this person on our couch for some period of time in our lives. We have this guy on our podcast. <laughs> we have this guy on our podcast every other week. His name's Pat. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. Making oh, a dog out of a Subi honey container. Oh yeah. my God. At oh, least yeah. he's not sleeping on our couch. That's all I have to say. No, never, never. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, All right, God. so Virgil, played by James Gandolfini, shows up at Richard's house. And uh, I did mean to mention that he was in the scene back at Clifford's trailer. He was the one standing behind him. He's the one that mm -hmm. cut his hand. Mm -hmm. But you just you literally only see him on camera for like a split second. So, yeah. No one is there but Floyd. Floyd tells him that Richie and his friends went to the Safari Inn. And then the, uh, we get this little gem of a line from Brad Pitt. Don't condescend me, man. I'll fucking kill you. Like, oh, my <laughs> yeah. God. I love the way he says, husband. I'll kill you, too. Like, like he's he, he doesn't believe it himself. He <laughs>, laughs, almost laughs to himself after he says it. Whenever I'll my husband kill. and I, like, start, like, bicker arguing, I end up saying that to him. Don't condescend oh. me, man. Like, oh, don't fucking condescend me, man. I'll fucking kill you, man. Dylan like. <laughs> says it. to me at least once a day, I will fucking kill you. <laughs> like that. <laughs> well, I mean, you do stupid shit. What do you want me to say? I, I, I will never fucking kill through. you. And what did you say the other day? I said, you're referring to me as the body now? <laughs> oh, my God. I love it. No, he'd done something. And I said, you know, like, if you did that and you died, I was like, I would just tell them where your body was or where the body was. And he was like, now I'm the body. <laughs> so you're referring to me as the body now? <laughs> oh, well, my God. I'm going to put this out there publicly as now so he can't do it. But <laughs> my husband always jokes, like, he's like, I have two words for you, bean field, because we have a soybean <laughs> field behind our house. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, this sounds like uh, the Johnny Depp movie with the cornfield outside the window. Oh, my God. Bean field. field. I'm going to start saying say, that to you, honey. Bean field. Or he'll say, you know, it wouldn't be too difficult to convince 12 members of a jury. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm like, really? How well do you know this man? <laughs> Well, see, honey, you know, it's not just me and you. It's all, it's all people that have been together it's, for a long time. No, it's that look in your eye. What <laughs> look in my eye? <laughs> do I get to the Alabama? It's that look in your eye where I'm like, I don't know. I think she could do it. <laughs> oh, my God, no. Okay, let's move on. He's moving on. Affidavits. <laughs> <laughs> gonna get the affidavits on me. I do have Lord. an affidavit. <laughs> Fuck it. Don't oh. condescend me, man. Yeah. <laughs> Alabama and Clarence return to the motel. He leaves to get them food, and she goes to the room where Virgil's waiting for her with a shotgun on his lap. She tries to lie to him about who she is, but he's not buying it, and he punches her in the face. He drags her up off the floor and continues to beat her up. These scenes are spliced in with scenes of Clarence ordering them food and driving around. Eventually, Virgil finds the coke under the bed. He gets on her, uh, she gets on her hands. Oh, sorry. She gets her, what are words? She gets her hands on a bottle <laughs> opener and tries to brandish it against him. He thinks it's funny, so he gives her a shot. She jabs it through his foot and then hits him over the head with an Elvis bust. 
He throws her through a glass shower wall and she grabs hairspray and a lighter and sets him on fire. Grabbing his shotgun, she fills him full of lead, then bludgeons him with it once the gun refuses to fire. So, mm. Mickey, I'm sure you have a lot to say about this scene. Oh, my God. This scene, first of all. Okay, so I love the fact that she was not giving Clarence up. Like, no matter what. She's like, fuck you. You're a piece of shit. You're going to fucking kill me no matter what I do. So I'm not going to make it easy for you because you're not going to get my man. Second mm-hmm. of all, I love the fact that she totally played to his total dunderhead masculine side when he, you know, she puts her the corkscrew up and he's like, all right, give it to me, baby. Just give it to daddy. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And then she completely surprises him and goes for his foot instead of his chest. And then when he throws her into the shower through the glass door, he's about ready to do it again. And she's like, she's like, wait, stop. And he's like, what? She's like, you look ridiculous. And she starts laughing at him. And again, you know, fucking with his male ego, Mm -hmm. um, which gives her enough time to kind of collect herself. And I feel like, and again, maybe this says something about me, but like, I feel like during this whole scene, I... I feel like we've, at least a lot of the women I know, like at least internally have been there, have been Alabama in that scene. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. You I don't know how to up against the wall it. and how are you going to fight your way out of it? And whether yes. it's actual violence or if it's just using your smarts. Exactly. Yes. Thank yeah. you. Um, but like, you know, it's, you know, and after, you know, all is said and done and she's like, like holding the gun in the air, screaming. And I'm like, that was another one of those scenes where I'm like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. fucking you go girl. You know, not that I condone blowing someone apart, but you know what I mean? But like, again, I feel like he was going to kill her. He was oh, going to kill had her. A, he had it yeah. coming. He had it coming. He was going he to totally kill her. Did. And if somebody comes at me and tries to kill me and I get the upper hand, I'm taking them out. Sorry. Oh, yeah. And she, and I love that she totally went fucking dirty. She's like, I'm going to spray you with hairspray. I'm going to hit you with a fucking toilet seat cover. You know, I'm not going to do that. Like, let's sword fight. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Let's, let's have know. a fair fight. No, fuck you. Yeah, no. You're fuck trying to kill that. me. You're right. trying to kill my so, husband. No. I love that scene. Um, you know, and like, like Des said, you know, she's, you know, kind of like, like not, at, honey, at, what was what? that? That's his My toy. My little dirt bike. Oh, he can't um, stop playing with his toy in the middle of a <laughs> podcast. That, like, she was kind of asking for it, like, and but at the same time, again, I feel like it was like, I'm protecting my man, you know, no matter what, you're going to kill me anyway, so there's no fucking way in hell I'm going to tell you what you want to know, because even if I do, you're going to hurt me, so I'm not going to make it easy for you. I also would very much like to tip my hat to Quentin Tarantino for not going the easy route and going with a rape because yes. I had forgotten this. Like I knew the scene happened. Like I remember being like, Oh, I know she gets a, f- in, she gets beat up bad in this movie. And I was right. like, Oh, that's a bummer. Like I forgot, like I forgot it came, but then when I saw her coming, I was like, Oh, I forgot about this. And when he's like, that's it, it's on. And he takes his jacket off. I'm like, yeah. he's going to rape her. I was like, right. God damn it. And it's like, to me, that's low hanging fruit. To me, that's worse than beating her up. You know, and yes. it was like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Beating her up is plenty bad. Right. But like, I'm so glad that they didn't go that route because it's just, it's too easy at this point. It was it would have been too cliche, I think. Yes. Um, And also too, um, I know that, I think at the time Gandolfini was not famous. Nobody knew who he was. Yeah. No, um, I think he was kind of not a nobody, but he was, and I think it was, think, it's, this is pre-Sopranos. Right. And I oh, think yeah. Brad, Pitt, Brad Pitt's the one who got him that role. Um, In the Sopranos? 
No, in, no, in that. Oh, in this movie. Okay. Um, and then also, I know, I remember reading an interview with him, and he had such a hard time filming that scene. Like, mm. it's not an easy scene to film. I don't know no. who would have an easy time. No, but like, I he, think he it would was be just very saying, hard. Like, it was very traumatizing for him. Mm-hmm. Well, fun fact is actually Brad Pitt and Gandolfini are second cousins, and that's how he got him the part. Really? No. No. <laughs> 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 Wait um, a minute. I think you just found the start of the podcast. <laughs> um <laughs> so what I really loved about and this was the one scene that I actually cheered out loud as she held the shotgun above her head and was yes. screaming covered in blood. I was like, I actually went, yeah. Like I, I was uh-huh. just like, that was such a great scene. Um so what was really cool about the character, and this is why at this point I was just really loving Alabama. So she realized that, you know, he was going to kill her. He was going to kill her. Mm-hmm. But she also realized that she was able to take a beating. Like she knew she could take this beating from this uh-huh. guy. And I think she it shows was, that she has been abused in the past. Oh, oh, definitely. But she also knew that she was capable of getting the upper hand if given the opportunity. So I felt like she was prolonging this until she saw her window of opportunity. Okay. Right. Right. So she kept like, she kept um, antagonizing them and then kind of backing them down a little bit and then bringing them back in and she moved it into the bathroom. And then eventually she had her opening and she took it and, and she took them out. And Gandolfini in this role was not uh, as vicious a killer as he needed to be to get this job done. So he had a little empathy. He had a little bit of respect for her because he saw the beating this little girl was able to take and still telling him, fuck you, what else do you got? And that was his downfall. So she actually outlasted him and outgutted him and outsmarted him. Yeah, at the she end. outwitted him for sure. She outwitted him. Yeah. And she, I felt like she was playing him right from the beginning. Well, that's why like, I love she totally played to his like masculine yeah. seated, like you look ridiculous. You definitely. Know what I mean? He's like, Oh shit. I got to look at myself now. You know what I mean? Like definitely, you know, totally. So yeah, I, I really appreciated this scene for, for all those above reasons. That's another one of those scenes that you just never forget. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah the, she was I, like, Go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, yeah, no, the minute, she walked into the room and he was there. I was like, oh, I forgot about this. I was like, this is tough. This is tough. I'm like, oh, crap. Oh, crap. You know, because I yeah. remember seeing it before and being like, oh, this is tough, you know. But, mm-hmm. you know, it was funny because seeing it when I was younger, back in the 90s, it was a real bummer. Like, I felt terrible for her. But seeing it now, it was a little bit more empowering, which yeah, is it, interesting oh, yeah. how I looked at it through a different lens years later. It wasn't a brutal scene. It really wasn't a brutal scene. Like when you watch it for what it could have been, it was pretty tame. I mean, he punches her and he throws her around a little bit, but it's the same with the scene with Hopper. None of these scenes go over the top and get to the point where you're cringing like in some of these other Tarantino. Like I had to look away in Django Unchained. I could not watch the scene. And the same with the police being tortured in Reservoir Dogs. I saw it once and that was plenty for me. That scene is really hard to watch. I didn't get any of those scenes in this movie, which is fine because 
it's you know I think it, it would have been different... out of place honestly if you had gone I that far. I think yeah. it would have been out of place and I think it was just I think it was just um intense enough to make it realistic. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. yes. Agreed. Uh, yeah, like I said, you know, I I I trying to separate this from a Tarantino film so I can see it for what it was and not what I not what it could have been cuz it's it's strong enough to stand on its own. Doesn't right. have to be a Tarantino directed film to be right, good. Right. So um but wait, when she holds the fucking gun above her head and she's screaming, looking yeah. up, coming in the blood, I was thinking Harley Quinn after a, a you know, a yes. beat down of some dude. I was like, that's the character I was getting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It has it had the same energy for sure. Yes. Mm -hmm. So Clarence returns, grabs her, and takes off because he knows the cops are on their way. There was way too much noise for them to not be coming. Um, now, Elliot is uh, up on the CP, uh, the, the California highway, and is driving too fast with a girl whose head is in his lap. He gets pulled <laughs> over, and he's got the bag of cocaine that was supposed to be Lee's sample. He's pulled into the precinct and is grilled by two cops, played by Tom Sizemore and Chris Penn. They get him to tell him everything because <laughs> he's made of wet <laughs> tissue paper, <laughs> and they're going to make him wear a wire. Back at Richie's place, he gets a phone call just as they're leaving to meet Lee at the hotel, saying he got a part on the new TJ Hooker. But in a hotel nice. room not too far away is the mob, and they're loading their guns. Likewise, the cops are getting ready, putting a wire on Elliot. When, once Elliot meets Clarence and the others, they get on the elevator. Clarence pulls his gun on Elliot and tries to get him to crack and tell him what's going on. Elliot just cries about wanting to get taken away, and Clarence puts the gun down and apologizes. So, Des, I actually say that Clarence's intuition was spot on, that something was up. Yeah. Um, one thing I loved about this movie was the uh, the women characters were all very strong. So Pinchot's got this woman next to him. And he's saying, put the bag of coke in your underwear. She's like, dude, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Right. I'm not doing it. You know? <laughs> and he's like, just do it. And she's like, no, fuck you. And, you know, at this, at this moment, I'm thinking, dude, just stick the bag of coke down your pants. It's a fucking traffic stop. Yeah. Like, they're going to write you a ticket and you're going along your merry way. But no, he's going to fucking, like, play fucking badminton with this fucking <laughs> ounce of cocaine <laughs> until her razor-sharp fingernails perforate the bag, covering him like a powdered donut in an ounce of cocaine. <laughs> I was laughing out loud. I fucking love the scene. And again, this is, this is a scene right out of Beverly Hills Cop. It just is. I mean, it's it's great. Uh, you get the the LAPD coming over. Sutherland is covered in cocaine. It's fucking perfect. <laughs> and also, like her, she's just like it. Like the cocaine gets all over them, and she's like, hey, hey. like oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. She's like rubbing it on her gums, like a little freeze. I mean, yeah, yeah. It was cool. It was Laughing great. Her ass off. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah. She Good was scene. Fantastic. Yep. All right. So back at Richie's house, Floyd is toking up when the gangsters show up. This is a comedic <laughs> moment while he's trying to give them directions to the Beverly Ambassador Hotel. Back at the <laughs> hotel, the gang has now made it into Lee's suite. There's some conversation about movies and filmmaking before they break out the coke. Lee thinks something's fishy and asks Clarence to tell him exactly what's going on. They walk outside and Elliot's wire can't quite pick them up. Meanwhile, the mob shows up at the hotel fall after following Floyd's directions. Uh, after Floyd. Little, Floyd. After a little back and forth, Lee agrees to the deal. The police begin to move, uh, to move out to bust them. Clarence gets up to use the bathroom and again is visited by Elvis. While he's in the bathroom, the cops burst in, but Lee's bodyguards refuse to stand down. Then the mob busts in through another door and it's a three-way standoff. 
Elliot blows his own cover by asking the cop Dimes if he can leave. Lee is so enraged by the betrayal, he throws hot coffee in Elliot's face. This triggers one of the cops to fire on him, and then it's an all-out bullet fest. All mobsters, all cops, and all of Lee's entourage die. Clarence takes a bullet to the face, and Alabama is convinced he is dead, but he's really just injured his eye. They take the case with all the money in it, sneak out of the hotel, and drive away straight down to Mexico. A few years later, they are on a beach with their son named Elvis. Hmm. So I know that Des has things to say, but Mickey, if you want to go first, it's all mm-hmm. you. <laughs> well, mm-hmm. I love, first of all, I love that they had Soundgarden playing. Yeah. When, when they the guys blew a bunch of in. money on that. Uh, they blew a bunch of money on getting Soundgarden's uh, song because it was such a popular song at the time. I love it. And um, they had been using it just as like, like music that they were going to replace. Mm-hmm. And um, it played so well with audiences when they were showing dailies that they oh went out and they paid a bunch of money to get it for the movie. Such they a needed great it. scene. Such a great scene. I don't, I can't think of a better song for that scene. Yeah. Um, you know, and then the scene when they're all in the hotel room, you know, when he and Clarence, when um, Lee Donowitz and, and Clarence are off out by the fountain talking and she's writing, you're so cool on the napkin. Like, I just love that. Like, that to me is, I don't know, I just, that I, that's one of those other pieces that makes me feel all happy because I'm like, oh, you know what I mean? Like, I just love it. I yeah. love the idea of that kind of such intense, deep love that no matter what's going on, you got that person's back. And she just thinks he's the fucking bomb. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, she thinks he's just the coolest shit. And then um, when they all come in and they're kind of all, you know, when the guy's like, I fucking hate cops. And I'm like, I, that to me, that was the only, for me, probably the only part in the movie where I was like, come on. You know, yeah. like, I don't know. You like, get 20 it, cops p- p- pointing guns at you. You think it's a good idea to, to be like, no, I hate cops and keep your gun on them. Like, right. Yeah. What? That was the only, that was probably hey. the only part to me that I was like, what do you, what do you, no, I don't know. No, 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 no. Cause the cops were holding pistols. These two had automatic machine guns. The cops were at the disadvantage period. Those guys pull those triggers. It's a massacre. They were, the cops were, were outgunned big time. Yeah, so, you know, but what I'm, but, yeah. But what I'm saying is, is, you know, granted their private security or whatever they are. Yes. I just feel like, I, I don't know, maybe I'm not Hollywood enough. I don't know that that would be something that I would, I don't know. Like I fucking no. hate cops. You know what I mean? Like, okay, well, I don't know. It just seemed out of place to me. I mean, no, I know you're it, right. worked, it worked for the scene, but, but, um, and I love that he's really, you know, he's, and then Clarence is in the bathroom having his little, you know, come, come to Jesus with Elvis. And he's finally like, <laughs> Elvis, Elvis is like proud of you. You know what I mean? Like, he's like, I like you, Clarence always have always will. You know what I mean? And I feel like he needed that kind of one last, like, yeah, from Elvis to, to finish the, finish it. You know what yeah. I mean? Right. Like, um, and then just, you know, the scene with Bronson Pinchot and, you know, Officer Dimes, Officer Dimes, he's like, how do you fucking know his name? You know, and then yeah. that whole, the whole like shootout was just amazing. It was just such a cool, that, that to me was very Tarantino, that scene. Yeah. Well, he's a fan of the Mexican standoff for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. Um. Okay. So, <laughs> so the end of this movie is where the script and everything just got really, really lazy. I mean, you brought me all the way to the point where we get into the hotel room, and now we're going to get. Uh, I mean, it was just, it was 
beyond lazy. You're not going to get, you've got the undercover cops outside the room waiting to come in. The whole thing is being surveillance. Uh, LAPD's got it. Vice has got it. And now you've got, like you said, you've got these bodyguards that are willing to put their lives on the line for a movie executive. I mean, even Victor Maitland's guys were like, fuck this when the cops came. They dropped their machine guns and ran. <laughs> so, and then, and then the gangsters are going to make it into the hotel room without the surveillance cops knowing. You've now got this four-way standoff between the drug dealers, the drug buyers, the mob, and the cops. I'm like, come on. I was laughing out loud. I'm like, come on, guys. <laughs> it was ridiculous. I'm sitting there saying, please, don't let everybody shoot everybody dead. And the only two left are, are the fucking... Alabama and Clarence are just going to walk out of here, which is exactly what happened. Uh, were they wearing rings of invisibility as but she was walking out? To me. Dick Ritchie also got away, P.S. I, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, they. she walks him out of there. He's covered in blood. They've got the suitcase. I mean, the fucking, the police know who they are. They're part of the fucking, they're the biggest part of this drug bust. They're all there to do and they're going to walk right out of the hotel room past 20 cop cars, 20 cops, SWAT, get into well, the yeah, giant. because they're distracted. But I mean, that's like, that's, <laughs> that, they can't be that distracted to where the people that are there to bust are going to walk right out the front door. <laughs> it I was mean, that super... guy was holding the girl hostage in the middle of the lobby. No. Right. Nope. <laughs> no, he no. says. No. No. This is lazy. This is lazy writing. They wrapped it all up in seven minutes, the end of the movie. Well, also, this was heavily rewritten by Tony yeah. Scott. It took yeah. his, uh, in Quentin Tarantino's, uh, it was Clarence died. So it was laughable. It was the end of the movie was laughable. <laughs> As I'm watching all four parties shoot everybody in the room dead, I am laughing out loud. And I, it was fun. Don't get me wrong, it was fun. But I thought the end of the movie could have been a thousand times better. What I really wanted was I wanted to see Alabama's character outsmart everybody. I wanted the twist ending where I go, oh, where she gets away with the drugs and the money or at least the money <laughs> or at least the money. And you see the whole time that this girl was smarter than everybody. She was playing everybody. And then you see her on a beach in Mexico with the money, everybody dies. But then you wouldn't have been able to call it true romance. Yeah, then it would be true Alabama. Well, I mean, no. I mean, because <laughs> Clarence loved Clarence loved Alabama. It was a true romance. I mean, he died for her at but the I end of the day. That, I love that Dick threw the suitcase of drugs up in the air. And oh, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I thought that yeah. was very, um, what's the word I want? Very, uh, not... Um, not prophetic, but like um, apropos. Yeah, let's, like this is the cause of all of it. Let's, what's the movie where they, they they take the baby into the drug house and the cocaine gets shot up in the air? Same exact scene, and the baby gets it over and the eyes blow up all big. I can't think of the name of the movie. But, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It makes me think of The Hangover, but I'm not sure if that's it. I can't remember which movie it was, but he brings the baby into a into a party and there's a drug dealer, whatever. Oh, but yeah, I, that's all I was expecting was to see everybody's eyes all giant bugged out from like the <laughs> sniffing the coke in the air. 
so uncut coke in the air yeah Um, there's also like um there's there's fan uh theories out there that everything from when clarence quote-unquote dies to the end of the movie is alabama uh like what she wishes happened that she actually gets killed and yeah i mean it's fan theory you know I wanted something. But you're the one that's saying they walked right by the police and nobody even blinked an eye. Well, if it was like her fantasy that her and Clarence got out of there alive, that's why the police wouldn't pay attention to her. So that's why people say maybe she actually took a bullet and she's dead. And that's her fantasy is her getting them getting out of there and having a son down in Mexico. Or maybe, I mean, I never, I've never heard that, but I also, if you're going to go that route, then maybe her fantasy, maybe Clarence died. And her fantasy is she got them out. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, maybe she's imagining them on, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but that was actually her child in real life. Yes. That, oh, yes. really? Yeah, that's yeah. her son. Um, uh, yeah. Was he Sicilian? <laughs> um, His name yeah. is Enzo Rossi. I think oh. he's married to an Italian. Yeah. I I just felt like this movie deserved a clever ending. I felt like the ending was, uh, it was, it just, I don't know. I thought the rest of the movie was better. I thought it was really good, tight writing right up until we got into that hotel room. I'm like, you cannot tie all these ends up right now with a four-way shootout like oh, where but everybody can. dies. <laughs> oh, can and did. <laughs> And then, and then they drive to the airport with their big suitcase full of money and fly off to Mexico and live happily after. And nobody says, hey, what the fuck happened to those two that we were here to bust? They drove to Mexico. Yeah. Oh, God. Even worse. <laughs> I don't like, know. Like, like the Oogie, the Oogie uh, romantic part of me loves the ending. Because... Well, of course, because it's romantic. Yeah. They're telling me they pulled up in this giant purple Cadillac, pulled up in front of this fucking hotel, and there wasn't one cruiser watching this giant eyesore of a car. Like, they just jump in the purple Cadillac and drive away after fucking 30 cops get gunned down on a, on a undercover stakeout. And they're well, like, yes. no. Well, listen, God. You like, I feel like you popped a vessel there. Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> But think about it. Think about it. If you think back to all the dumb shit that happened in this movie. So like, okay, Clarence, first of all, like you think of all the times that, um, what's that phrase my mother-in-law always says? The guy always has like a horseshoe up his ass. Like, right. you know what I mean? Like he, he, he meets this girl and he goes to fight this, this pimp who clearly is a dangerous, dangerous, deadly person. And he ends up killing the pimp. And then he, he, he goes through all these things and he just like, it's almost like miraculous. He, that yeah, he keeps he, coming out smelling like a rose when he yes. really should be slipping in shit. Yeah. All right. So, can we just, can we agree that they should have slipped into a police car? And drove away. At least not the purple Cadillac. Just, yeah. Can we at least agree it shouldn't have been in the giant purple convertible I mean, if, So here's the thing. If this is how you're going to wrap up the movie, you have them come downstairs. She realizes yep. that the lobby's full of police and she takes them out the back. Like, Yeah. And they slip into, like I said, either they hotwire a car or there's a police car, you know, because all the cops have run in now because there's a shootout going on. And maybe there's a cop car running outside. They jump into it. I don't know. Just right. please. 
just well and I out. noticed and I noticed last night when I watched it again and again I can't tell you how many times I've seen this movie but I just noticed for the first time last night that as they're walking out into the street they almost get fucking plowed over by a cop car yeah yeah <laughs> you know, like yeah and maybe yeah. they're I, like just more concerned about getting the hostage situation but I would think that I would go oh there's a guy that's got blood all over him and he's got sunglasses yeah. on and you know what I mean like I don't know Here's a woman that fits the description with a man that fits the description that's bleeding and they've got a suitcase and they're going over towards the giant purple Cadillac. Maybe we should question them. <laughs> you know, um, I, all right. um, I also wish that I I feel like I, I, I want to know what happened to Dick. Yeah, because yeah. he just takes off. And you never yeah. know if Floyd lives or not. Well, <laughs> no. Like, this is convinced yeah. no, he's listen. dead, but I'm convinced that he's so dumb they let him live. Listen, no, they, he's harmless. Floyd is Floyd is harmless. Everybody loved Floyd. Floyd gave everybody the answers they were looking for. No, who doesn't love a stone Brad Pitt? No one's killing Brad Pitt. <laughs> right. Yeah, he's fine. Agreed. Agreed. And oh, I he, believe there's a scene um, where he's wearing like a Rasta hat. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yes. So he found that on the boardwalk, like legitimately. Oh, cool found this dirty old hat on the boardwalk. I love it. And, yeah. it. and not only it. did Dick get away, but he made his call the next morning for his TJ Hooker yes, fucking did. episode. Yes, he yeah. did. I feel like he got away. <laughs> and I want to say this about the ending. So the movie is called, like you said, True Romance. And if you're watching it, then you've got a place in your heart for movies like this. And it's a fucking nice ending. They get away. They have a child. They're on a beach. They live happily ever after. I'm right. not going to fault the movie for that. I mean, it's fine. But I just felt like it deserved a more clever, more believable, or at least a better flushed out ending if they were going to go that route. It made it just a little easier to, to swallow. But it yeah. was fine. It was fine. Fine. <sighs> fine is a tough word. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. Fine is a four letter word, if you ask me. I feel like if Tarantino had written the end and directed it, we would have got a way different ending. And I think oh, it probably sure. would have been a little more satisfying. Well, it was supposed to end like Planet Terror ended. Um, even though Robert Rodriguez did that, it Robert Rodriguez ends Planet Terror with Rose McGowan on a beach with her baby, but the man is dead. And mm. that's how this was supposed to end. She was supposed mm -hmm. to be on the beach with her son and Clarence was dead. I didn't want Clarence to die, even though it probably would have been either. a better ending. I didn't want him to die. I wanted them to to live happily ever after. So it's yeah, fine. See? Yeah. It's fine. It's <laughs> you just talked me. It's true romance. Yeah, you talked me down onto the beach. I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh my I goodness. It. Oh my goodness. All right. So I think we did it. I think we uh I yeah. think we got through this movie. So, so. um okay, Mickey. I'm going to let you have first crack at this final thoughts and um, rewatch score for uh, True Romance. All right. So final thoughts. First off, thanks so much for doing this, guys. You know how much I love this movie. Um, it was awesome. It was a pleasure. I, I really do. I love this movie so much. And it's one of those things like when I first saw it, I actually saw it was at a press screening. Excuse me. Um, it was I believe it was at the Charles Theater in Boston. Oh. Um, and yeah. And I, you know how and I'm sure you guys each have at least one of these movies where uh, it can't be just me <laughs> where like you have a movie, even, even a song that you see or hear before anybody else does. And you love it so fucking much. You want to like, 
at both times protect it and keep it all to yourself and at the same time you want to fucking show everybody how awesome this is yeah i have songs like that i have bands like that i have movies like that this is one of those movies and i can just remember just watching this over and over and like even vhs and then dvd and you know what i mean i just Mm -hmm. it's one of those movies where i just want everybody to see it and love it and just really fucking love it but at the same time i want to shelter it because i don't want it to get too big and cliche like i can't tell you how bullshit and it's so stupid irrational bullshit when freaking courtney kardashian and travis barker said they were going to be clarence in alabama for halloween and (laughs) they went and got like this stupid car and like she did the alabama wig and it's like Bitch, you know, I, 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 I personal. Like, I don't. Really, I don't blame you. I don't. How blame dare you? you. I, took it, I took it personally because a you you guys have more money than God, and you can just call up a stylist and say say make make me this for Halloween. Do you right. know what I mean? Sure. Um, and it, so it, it 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 irrationally pissed me off, like more than it should have. Um, but at the same time, like it's it's one of those movies where I just you know. I want everybody to see it because I love it so much. But I also don't want anybody to see it because I want to keep it for myself. So, you know what I mean? Like, it's so, it's so stupid and hard to explain. But No, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, a tr- it's a treasure. And you treasure it, it and you want to share it with people. But at the same time, you don't want other people to see it and then ruin it because they've they take their – because as with every other media, we take things in and we change them by the way we perceive them. So, it's a yes. snapshot – of a time of your life, something like the album yes. Nothing Shocking is for me by Jane's Addiction. That yes. is like my desperado. I hear it <laughs> and I look off into the distance and have fond memories of a time of my life. I fucking love it. But like, you know, and it's like, it's so stupid, you guys. Like I should, like I was mad when I saw that and they're mm. like, oh, you know, we're Clarence in Alabama. And like, I think they even got fucking tattoos. Oh, stop. Oh. And it made me so angry. You know what I mean? Like, I can I can understand why, and because you feel like it's almost like appropriation, right? Well, yeah, and it's like I feel like they're making like light of it. Like, no offense, I probably shouldn't say this. Like, I dare you. Okay, (laughs) freaking Prince is gone. David Bowie is gone. Alan Rickman is gone. All these fucking Lemmy is gone. Mm -hmm. Fucking all the Kardashians are still around. (laughs) <laughs> like sorry oh okay, sorry, sorry not sorry <laughs> i mean in travis's defense he did walk away from a plane crash so yeah he did and you know and i and i feel like a jerk because i actually kind of like travis barker i think he's extremely talented sure but i, I feel like he lost like cool points with me by marrying a kardashian oh definitely um you know what Dick i mean move. yeah like <laughs> really dude <laughs> I, I I have no use for any of them at all, and uh, whatever. I'm not going to go into my my just taste for the Kardashians, but like, <laughs> I think, I think you did. You did. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're there. I'm sorry, um, oh. but it, but it's like one of those things where like the, I feel like I feel like they trivialized it by doing that, right? And you know, I love the movie too, but you don't see me like I, I don't know like don't fuck with it is what I want to say like right yeah so I'm just. Anyway, my reward score is 10. 10? <laughs> <laughs> I'm the only one that can go above five on this show. Well, that's not true. Five. 
Five. Okay, so it's a five, a perfect five for Mickey Dolan. It's a bold five. A it's a full five. five. It's a robust five <laughs> <Yes>. for Mickey. <laughs> oh my goodness! Um, all right, I I enjoyed it. Uh, I really <laughs> don't want to say like like I I could pick it apart if I really wanted to, but why why do that? It's it's pop culture. It's fun. Um, yeah, there are a couple things that I would have changed if I had, you know, if I had full control, but it's like, but I'm not fucking Quentin Tarantino and I'm not Tony Scott, so I should shut the fuck up and I'm going to give it a 4.5. 4.5 for Delin. And I'm going to read the room here, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to wind up a fucking Kardashian <laughs> at the end of this show on Mickey's fucking hit list. So... No, but you gotta you gotta be honest. I am gonna be honest. Um, so if if I was rating this on the Quentin Tarantino scale, if I was saying you know Quentin Tarantino directed this movie, I'd probably see this movie somewhere around a three point two five. Okay, honestly, mm -hmm. but I'm not gonna do that because as I watched the movie, it started evolving into its own thing, and I started losing that um, preconception that I had. And I started just watching it for what it was. Uh, I thought it was a very good movie. I thought that Christian Slater um, won me over, which I didn't think would be possible, but he did. Um, I thought the character of Alabama was one of the best female um, characters I'd seen. I thought it was really good. And I was going to give it 3.75 rewatches, only because I thought the writing in the end was a little bit lazy. But... After Mickey took me through it, and she did say, you know, it is called True Romance. And then I thought to myself, did I want to see Clarence die? No, I didn't want to see Clarence <laughs> die. Of course I didn't want to see Clarence die. And I love fucking rom-coms. And this is a little bit of a rom... A violence calm. calm? Yeah, it's like a violence <laughs> calm. A, a twisted rom-com? <laughs> right. So I was going to say 375, but... We bumped that up to 425 because I decided that the ending worked for me. And then the fact that I don't want to get put on the Kardashian list, I'm going to bump it up another 25%. I am also going to give it a 4.5 like Delin did. So with Mickey's 5, Delin's 4.5, my 4.5, this movie is going to come out to a 4.8. Nine. It's almost a perfect movie. Had the end just been a little. Listen, if they get into a cop car, a hot wire car, instead of jumping into the purple Cadillac, I'm giving this a five. So it's pretty close. It's a fucking awesome movie. If you haven't seen True Romance, what are you waiting for? Go see it. It's a fucking awesome movie. One of the best that we've reviewed so far. Um, I want to thank you, Delin. You know that I love talking about movies with you. Mickey, you've been picking winners, and I just want to say, I look at the <laughs> analytics for all the movies that we do and what's getting watches, and every movie you've picked so far, The Ref, this one, um, The Descent, they've all been in the top five movies we've ever done. So nice. the fans seem to like the movies that you pick. I'm hoping Excellent. this one will Either that be or they the just same. like Mickey. It could be that, yeah, too. It's possible. <laughs> I know I do. Um, <laughs> so next week, we will be back where we will be discussing Leonardo DiCaprio in the Netflix original, 
Don't Look Up, where we will discuss social media and the absolute train wreck society has become and what's important (laughs) to us now. So I chose this one because I know it's going to trigger Pat and he's going to have a fucking meltdown on the show and I'm going to have fun watching it happen. I'm literally just going to sit here and be like, oh my God, do the whole oh, thing. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. He's going to lose his fucking mind because I just, and I, I literally chose it for this reason and chose him to do it. So it's going to be entertaining. Uh, Dylan, Tell the uh, listeners one more time where they can leave feedback and where they can find the show. All right. So you can find us on Facebook at Hey, Did You Ever See That Movie? You can also email us if you like. And it is Hey, Did You Ever See That Movie at gmail.com. And we also now have a. Oh, an Instagram. It's Hey, Did You Ever See That Movie on Instagram. What did I say yesterday about Instagram? Remember, it was so goofy. I, it was such a dad, like, unconnected thing to say. I just was thinking, like. They can you, Instagram you, you, us. You said, oh, so can somebody Instagram us? I was like, that's not how it works. And then you were like, and then, and then you would go, should we get a Twitter? Should tweet? Should people be tweeting us? And I was like, that's not how that works either. Oh, God. That's I'm like a fucking Geico commercial. You are. He is the dad. The, the dad at the, at the Home Depot where the guy walks by with the blue hair. And he goes, <laughs> Oh, that's that's him. And the yeah. thing is, is that he literally had like multicolor hair back in the eighties. But now he sees like a girl ringing our, our no. groceries. It has like a green stripe, and it's a problem. We were at the <laughs> flea market, and I saw some punk rocker guy with a giant mohawk, like dressed like uh, like that band Rancid. I was like, oh, oh, oh. and she was like, dude, you just wore green plastic pants with hair fucking half purple and half green down your ass, and now you're going blue. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what happens when you get old it's just unfortunately nobody can escape it all right guys i have Nikki, an go idea ahead. i have an idea oh, please I, I, you can poo poo it but i think it would be a cool idea okay maybe like for like a holiday like for the fourth mm-hmm. of july or something we should do a podcast with all of us <laughs> oh you you think i can wrangle all of you at once <laughs> Holy shit. We'd have to fucking tranquilize Pat. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Holy shit. Yeah. It's uh, it's something to think about for sure. Oh God. I mean, mean, we've got plenty of crossover that, you know, at some point we could have two guests on at a time. I'm just, Oh, the thought of five, five of us, especially with Pat in the mix is like, Oh boy. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. You never know. It could be a like you said. It could be like a Fourth of July special. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've got ideas brewing. I've been running stuff past the girls and running stuff past Tony. So we're going to keep growing the show and evolving it into whatever it's going to become. But I have a blast. So thank you guys so much. I really do. No, I knew today was going to be a good one. I knew today was going to be a good one. But until next time, let me ask you one question. And Pat, don't say what. Hey. Did you ever see that movie? See you later. Bye. Bye. (laughs) So the question is, did I have a nice piece of pie after watching a good movie? (laughs) 